0: Friday. We worked in the kitchen preparing for the day. Marky made the children's lunches and I put together some breakfast for myself. How is it possible that she is within an arm's reach but still unattainable? I could stretch out to her, hug her, kiss her and maybe all would be good. This jewel of mine has gone and I cannot get her back. Our proximity was inversely proportional to the confinement of the kitchen. Those few square metres of workspace equaled miles in our relationship. Camelia woke up first and entered the kitchen with sleep still in her eyes. Morning. Good morning, my big girl. Can you get dressed before I serve you breakfast?
1: Sure, what are we having?
0: What do you want?
1: Some bread with luncheon?
0: Coming up. I walked back with her to open the curtains in her room. Poppy was still in her bed and she welcomed the light with a swift pull of her blanket to cover her head. Wake up, little princess. We have to get ready for school. Camellia dressed herself without any complaints, and I put her plate on the table when she came back to the kitchen. I then walked to the utility room to take the laundry out. The basket was full as I headed outside to hang it all on the clothesline. From the outside, I could look straight into the girls' room. Marky had entered the room and tried to convince Poppy to get up. Every plea and threat from Marky was met with ever more demands and complaints from Poppy. For the time it took to hang out the laundry, the two had been at each other. Marky eventually left with Poppy lying on the floor crying that she had nothing to wear. Right, that's it. I cannot take this any more. I walked back inside and through the kitchen to the girl's room. Marky immediately understood my intention.
1: Leave her to me. I will
0: handle her. She needs a clear line. This cannot continue. Poppy, enough. You will get dressed now. No more complaining. Leave her alone. You do not hit me. I think it would be best if you sleep at your friend's tonight.
1: Okay. I will take the children with me.
0: No, you will not. This is their home.
1: Don't tell me what to do with the children.
0: I can't do this anymore. I am at my end. This has to stop now. When I am back home, I expect you to be gone. There was not much to do at work. My heart would not allow my mind to focus on anything other than my own pain. Selfish heart. Why don't you allow me to experience joy, or at least hope? I aimlessly surfed the web to give Hull and whoever was entering the room the impression I was doing something. For an hour, I managed to avoid Bricklink, but I also knew that I would not be able to resist. The temptation to acquire every single one to complete the collection was like a black 45-degree slope two by two. I was slipping down, down into a grid of... Perfectly arranged minifigures mounted on base plates with precise labels. I've already ordered the Toy Story minifigures. Let's get all the Batmans and the SpongeBob SquarePants series looks amazing as well. I added the minifigures to wish lists, then sorted the shops by their available unique stock. It took me an hour to complete the procedure and while this task occupied my thoughts, it did not fill me with joy. I checked Ethan's email again. Dear Author, I want you to be aware that SigKai takes this issue very seriously. Can we stop with the anonymity and discuss this like gentlemen? We have already determined your identity and within the next couple of weeks we will be able to confirm this. We'd like to avoid this additional effort, as we have already spent too much time on this issue. There were numerous bits of digital trail that your experiment has allowed us to follow to identify you. We know you have two other real papers in the proceedings of the KAI conference, their IDs add to the 98671, and you are the third and fourth author on these two submissions. I am going to send an email to your actual email address, and I expect a reply, if you choose to ignore it then we will have no choice but present our information to SIGCHI and recommend that your real submissions be removed from the system and that your identity and experiment be revealed to the HCI community. If, on the other hand, you continue this discussion with us without the fake name and email address, then we will do what we can to keep your identity from being revealed publicly. Thanks, Liam. My hands were shaking. I checked my author ID on the ACM's website and the 98671 stared back at me. Dear Liam, I am indeed Robert Park and I failed to protect my anonymity. So far, your replies focused only on two questions. Now that you know my true identity and all the fake papers, there might be a chance to discuss the study. If we do not allow ourselves to question our own processes, then we are nothing more than a cult. So my hope is that you do allow the papers into the review process. Yours truly, Rob. I got up, took my jacket and started to walk. Anywhere. Just keep my body moving. Look busy so that nobody wants to talk to me. I walked across the campus and then towards the city centre. I put my earphones in and selected Son, Tremors, Artifice. Somebody better let me know my name before I give myself away. Somebody better show me how I feel cos I know I am not at the wheel. The sky was grey and the wind blew in my face. The fast pace of my steps kept me warm. I passed by a large clock mounted on the side of a building. I couldn't see the movement of the hour and minute arms, but the seconds arm followed a peculiar rhythm. It would move forward, hold and then move again the arm walked from second to second pausing to appreciate the arrival of each second categories they forced the continuum of time into the categories of seconds how artificial i was mesmerized by the timeless dance of the seconds is my effort to categorize the bricks not as absurd as this clock this thought paralyzed my mind no no it's not lego bricks are man-made artifacts while Time is a natural phenomenon, and while the concept of seconds is as artificial as my brick categories, they are still based on humans trying to create a system. The Lego system might not be perfect, but it is certainly less random than the waves on the ocean. The designers at Lego at least tried to work within a system, and their thinking will consist of categories. At least they used a human language, which is in itself already a categorization of the world. My lower bowels started to cramp. Oh no, no, not now. I walked faster, scanning my environment for a toilet. Maybe I should run back. But if I run, I can't press my buttocks together. I can't hold it in. There, a restaurant. I am saved. It was mid-morning and the restaurant was empty. A staff member was folding serviettes. Could I please use your bathroom?
1: The toilets are for customers only.
0: I, I'm sorry. I, I really desperately need to use the toilet. We,
1: we can't help you. Oh, please, I'm begging we, you. We're not even open yet. Please leave now.
0: Heat waves of panic and embarrassment raptured across my body. I continued walking back across the campus. Maybe I can hide in those bushes. No, no. Too many people walking past and the leaves are almost gone. Oh. Uh, I must keep the trousers clean so that nobody can see this and I can't stop, otherwise they might smell it. I rushed to my room and took the emergency pack from my cupboard before dashing off to the toilet. I locked myself into a cubicle that had a large supply of toilet paper. I cleaned myself and my clothes as good as I could. The toilet door opened. I froze. Don't make a sound. This is not normal. He will not know that I'm cleaning myself. Motionless. I remained in this absurd posture until the man had finished his business and left. Before continuing to clean myself, I flushed, hoping that nobody would come in and notice that the person in the cabin didn't leave after flushing as normal people would. The emergency kit contained fresh underpants, socks and a plastic bag. I dressed myself and stored the dirties in a bag. I left the cubicle and cleaned my hands with soap. I smelt them and decided to wash them again and again. I returned to my room to pick up my backpack. Howell was sitting behind his desk when I entered. I grabbed the bag tighter, sealing the air inside. Hey, Rob. Goodbye. I rushed to my desk and put the plastic bag in my backpack. Are you leaving already? I have a meeting off campus, I'm late. You're never late. I I have to run. I took off, and while bicycling home, where I threw all my clothes in the washing machine, started it took a shower and hoped nobody would come home another evening of pretending that everything was all right in front of the children another dinner another bathing procedure goodnight kisses life continued except that its foundation was gone i felt like a coyote had run over the cliff and continued running in midair as soon as i looked down i would certainly fall For just a few more moments I looked ahead Ignoring the abyss below me Neither of us had any energy left to fight We sat down on the couch as far away from each other As the couch would allow Marky, this situation is unbearable for me
1: It is okay for me
0: Oh, that's good for you You've got me by the throat and you hold me over the edge of a cliff Maybe you'll drop me, maybe you won't How can anybody endure this?
1: Well, at least you're not lecturing me anymore.
0: Maki, how do you imagine our relationship should be in the future? What do you mean? Well, what's your goal in our relationship?
1: I really don't know how to answer that question.
0: <sighs> well, what can we do to make our relationship better? How can we work towards a happy and healthy relationship?
1: Again, I don't have any answers for you.
0: Maki, if you see no future in this relationship and you're not willing to work on it then it's very hard for me to imagine how we can make this work.
1: Yes. So what?
0: You give me nothing that I can work with.
1: I get it. So what?
0: I hope you see that under these circumstances it makes little sense to continue our relationship.
1: If that is how you see it?
0: I do. The irony of my utterance made me smile on the inside. This is exactly what I promised eight years ago, with a completely opposite meaning. Well, I guess it'd be best if you looked for a new place to live.
1: What do you mean? The husband is supposed to move out?
0: With your income, you won't be able to pay the mortgage for this house. So it's best if you move out directly. I will then have to decide whether I pay you out or whether I sell it. I want to keep the house to provide an environment as stable as possible for the children. It will be confusing enough for them. This way they can stay at their school.
1: But you will have to pay for me.
0: I'll probably have to pay for the children. There's a government formula for that. We can look it up.
1: The housing market is very difficult. How am I going to find a new place?
0: I understand that difficulty, but I'm certain you can figure that out. I'd be grateful if you could move out as quickly as possible. It's important that we clear up this mess quickly.
1: I will see a lawyer.
0: You actually have to anyway. We won't be able to do anything with the house unless each of us gets independent legal advice. But it's probably a good idea to keep the lawyers out of the discussion as much as possible, as they'll be very expensive for both of us. It is a lose-lose situation.
1: I will make you pay and I will
0: take the children. We both have equal rights to parent the children.
1: I'm their mother.
0: And I'm their father. Saturday. The morning arrived with the same lack of uncertainty as the status of our relationship. The new day was unknown and scary. I had no energy to lift myself up from the bed. It was Saturday, so there was no pressing need anyway. More out of routine than pleasure, I got out of bed and turned on the kettle. When I walked into the living room, I immediately noticed the coldness of the autumn morning. I started the fire in the log burner. Its radiating heat was what my heart desired. Warmth. Comfort. I opened all the curtains, and when I also opened the blinds, I noticed a large cardboard box at my doorstep. I walked to the front door and opened it. The coldness outside was sharp and direct. The package was not too heavy and the familiar rattle of bricks filled my heart with anticipation. I put the package down in front of the log burner and picked up a cutter from my room. This must be it. The 928 Galaxy Explorer. The bricks were packed in a plastic bag and the instructions were placed at the bottom of the box. This set was probably the best Christmas present I had ever received when I was young. It had not lost its magic even 31 years later. The grey, blue and transparent yellow bricks formed a timeless style of deep space exploration. The model had thrusters at the back and facing downwards, allowing it to make landings on the moon base plates included in the set. The loading bay had room for a small exploration vehicle that would roll down from a platform. The cockpit had a computer and was enclosed in transparent yellow bricks. I could not resist and started putting the model together. The model was set in a distant future, but it had the power to make my immediate future a pleasure, my build only interrupted by the preparation of tea. Page by page, I rebuilt my youth. First Camellia, and then shortly afterwards Poppy, joined me in front of the log burner. What you building? A spaceship. That's cool, can I help? For every other model, I would be grateful for your help, but I have to build this one by myself. Why? I had this set when I was a child, about your age, and I want to experience the build again. It reminds me of my childhood. You can continue building the house if you want to.
1: Okay. Poppy, do you want to build the house with me? Yes.
0: Both of them focused on building and, while the log-burner expelled the cold from the room, the galaxy explorer expelled the loneliness from my heart. The three shared the radiation from the fire and from each other's presence. Occasionally, Poppy or Camellia would ask for my help and every time they received a hug as well as the advice. The children were absorbed in the task and we felt warm and loved. I got up, walked to my computer, and bought up the auto-reply option for my university email account. I typed into the box. I am out of the office and your email has been automatically deleted. In urgent cases please contact our secretary Catherine. I will be back in two weeks and if you still require my attention then please resend your message at that time. I smiled and pressed the save button. Part 3. Monday. Monday morning's work started with another unpleasant email. Rob, I am the Vice President for Conferences of SIGCHI, and the issue of your attempt to repeat the Peters and Ceci study at the CHI conference has been handed off to me after consultation with the ACM Ethics Board. The CAI team has been told not to have any further discussions about this and they have forwarded all of the correspondence regarding this issue to me. Before reporting back to the ACM Ethics Board, I wanted to contact you and understand more about what you were attempting and what you hoped to achieve. You should be aware that there have been significant concerns expressed at the KaI level, lots of hours expended to determine the source of the plagiarism. At the ACM level inappropriate use of another author's work without their permission and in this SIGCHI conference management committee discussion we had around this your name and any identifying information were withheld anything you can provide to help us understand this would be helpful My take is that decisions will be made by ACM well before February, and those decisions could have significant consequences. Please get back to me with the information I requested below, so I can represent your viewpoint. Please be also aware that the Dean of your department has been made aware of the situation. Jack. I can't handle this anymore. I screwed up and now it's gone to the level of the ACM and the Dean will almost certainly have informed Matthew about this. Shit, there goes my promotion. Ah, Good morning, Mark. Oh, Good morning to you. What can I do for you? I'm in trouble. Real trouble. What have you done? Well, I got so frustrated about the rejection of my paper and all that craziness around the peer review process that I tried to repeat the study from Peter and Ceci you had introduced to me. I resubmitted 12 papers to the Kai conference. Ouch! What happened with the papers? They detected all the papers before they entered the actual review process. I tried to convince them to allow the papers in, but all they were interested in was finding out who submitted them. And did they? I should have listened to Hal. Yes, they found out it was me. And now they've pushed it up to the level of the ACM. They also informed the Dean of our department, I'm in real trouble.
1: What exactly did they write
0: to you? Here, have a look at the email on my phone. Uh, uh, I see. What's the worst thing that could happen to you? They could kick me out of their association and ban me from all their conferences and journals. It is sort of my home base. Most of the papers go to their journals and conferences, not to mention that I can kiss any future promotion
1: goodbye. Well, you only tried to replicate a previous study and I see no reason why ACM should be exempt from being investigated. Are you aware of the sting that the uh, Science Journal conducted recently? No. What happened? They wrote a paper which had some obvious flaws in it. They submitted it to over 300 open access journals. About half of them accepted the paper. Clearly their peer review process failed or was non-existent to start with. This method allows you to test for
0: false positives. The paper was wrong, and whenever one was accepted, an error of Type 1 was made. Peter and Ceci's study investigated false negatives. The papers should have been accepted since their quality has been proved before. So when they were rejected, a Type 2 error was made.
1: Correct. To fully test the quality of the peer review process, you need both. In any case, I think it very unclear what exactly they are after. Here, allow me to help you with a reply. Dear Jack, I think that it is important to establish at the outset that my research work was not engaging ACM or its members in any personal way. I am a member of ACM and SIGCHI and have been for years. I am vested in the success of ACM. The ACM is a professional home for me because, like my fellow members, I am a researcher and teacher. My research for a long time now has included questions about peer review and the broader social context of science and its publication. ACM is naturally engaged in those activities and does not stand apart from such questions. It is not exempt from research activities that evaluate the effects and effectiveness of peer review. I am also sorry that my aborted research may have made some at ACM uncomfortable, but it is not absolutely clear to me why or in what way that discomfort arises from their official duties in the ACM. Perhaps, before I attempt to respond in detail, you would clarify for me what policies or procedures of ACM are specifically in question here. Uh, For example, how would ACM react if it had been part of the Science Magazine study recently published? Would ACM think differently of that exercise, and if so, then why? With that background. I should be more able to discuss this case more constructively with you i am also confused about how you are framing your relationship with me i'm not the organization of course but i am a part of it so when you say that acm will make its decision who are you saying will make a decision and what exactly are they trying to decide The tone of your message is also unclear to me. Uh, Are you implying some form of action against me as a person? Is this a legal action? In which case I think I should be informed first. As a member of ACM, I would not naturally leap to those levels of precaution. But uh, I will endeavour to respond to you as quickly as reasonable at this time of year. I am sure that members of the committee for which you speak will also have their personal obligations at this time and would be understanding of that. Yours truly, Rob. That's a very good reply.
0: Can you send me that text? Sure thing. And don't worry too much about it. I do. I worry about everything all the time. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. That night. Once everybody was asleep, I switched on the TV since there was nothing else to do. Bill Murray and Andy McDowell appeared on the screen. My God, that's Groundhog Day. Such a classic. Phil Connors, a cynical weatherman, was locked in an ever-repeating day. No matter what he did, he would always wake up on the exact same day. Groundhog Day. It had been years since I last saw this movie, but its story felt strangely appealing. I wish I could have my own Groundhog Day. I would have perfect certainty on what tomorrow would hold for me. I would be free to do whatever I wanted and still feel safe that everything would be okay. The only consequences would be my own memories. I could even jump off a building and still wake up the next day being just fine. I finally would have enough time to do whatever I wanted. Phil Connors was right, he was immortal. Well, the endless day changed him, made him appreciate others, made him attractive to Rita. He could not have known that building a relationship with Rita would be the key to get him out of the loop. I wonder if Phil would have any regrets after his relationship with Rita might have ended. He then would have lost immortality and a partner. Those are very high stakes.